trying to shave in the dark the other day. I'm learning so much stuff. Unbelievable. You know what's nice about Zoom? You can't tell everything is a shadow. It's all good. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looked great. <laughs> all right, let's do more zooming from now on then. That's what I'm saying. 100%. This is just such a good podcast. weird words Mike that is uh, thrown around in sports all the time but it, to me it's always kind of one of the hardest things to actually define and say what it is like if I was going to ask you what culture is like what what, what do you say uh, I didn't realize I was getting interviewed on this podcast that's why I had Mario <laughs> you gotta Cristobal be on your got, toes, he, he's, he's done a great job of actually building it in in Eugene you're right I, I think that's actually a really good way of describing it because I automatically my first thought is not necessarily a definition but it's all the books that um, are in all the bookstores. Can I know there's a few that still exist that talk about culture, building it in your companies, businessmen who uh, and women who who try to try to build this sustainable culture where people want to show up to work every single day, and in the case of an athletic program, thrive as individual athletes within a competitive group within a larger sort of organization. So to me, is not hard to quantify, but when it's good, you, you know it's good, Ash. It's like when you see it, you, you know what it is. Uh, and we're, yeah, we're going to do a deep dive with one of the experts, as you mentioned on this topic. Mario has been the head coach of Oregon since 2017 when he took over for Taggart. And obviously anyone who's familiar with his coaching tree knows that um, he's been around some, some big time coaches. He played for Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson at Miami when a couple of national championships as a player. And then, you know, he's on Nick Saban staff at Alabama. Uh, he's coached with a lot of guys, Butch Davis, Greg Shiana, but I think the thing to me when I talked to Mario that really stood out was just he he knows that that is the thing that defines his program as having a good culture. So yeah. looking forward to this conversation. Hope you enjoy it too. Uh, Coach, before I even talk about culture, I just want to know, like, how are you and Jessica and the boys, how are you guys doing at home? We're doing great. Obviously, they're the biggest blessings in my life. And I realize now how hard it is to be Jessica and <laughs> homeschooling these guys and managing them and their uh their crazy antics it's been a learning experience an awesome one an incredible one but certainly um again learned a lot and looking forward to learning a little bit more what's the biggest thing you've learned coach cooking uh (laughs) catching uh catching nerf darts you know here and there while you're trying to hold a zoom staff meeting um the homeschooling stuff has been great. Uh, just getting to know the family again when you're in this time of year. All times of year, you're always busy and running around or whatnot. So it's been it's been a just an incredible experience being able to handle your our work and at the same time being able to spend more time around them. Good to try to get a little bit of a positive spin on what is really a scary and negative situation that that everyone is uh, going through right now in this country, really on the entire planet. Um, I, I'd started by referencing we're on to talk to you about culture. So let's kind of get into that and dive into it. When I say that word to you, just how significant and, and how important is it for, for you personally? Culture to myself, to our program, everyone, it's everything. It really is. It's the principles and values that we hold true to our heart and that we are not willing to compromise. And really we feel that the measure of our program will be achieving a level where anyone or anything that doesn't uphold the standards of our culture I just won't be and can't be tolerated. So do we take it seriously? Absolutely. We feel that it's more important than scheme, more important than 
anything else because it will lead to better people. It will lead to better performances. It will lead to better, um, you name it, better futures for everyone involved in our program. Mario, I think it's clear, and I think that, you know, a lot, everyone in sports would agree how important culture is, but in terms of defining it, it's, it's one of those elusive things. It's almost like chemistry. How, how would you actually define what culture is? Yeah, it's a certain way of doing things. We, we tell our guys all the time, and they'll tell you, they'll tell you that we, we walk a certain way, we talk a certain way, we act a certain way, we train and practice a certain way. Uh, certain things are demanded of us because we have a certain standard that goes with our culture and it can't be compromised. There's no let up. There's no picking and choosing when you want to have a strong culture and, and the word culture cannot be a tagline. It's used so often. It's um, it can never, ever lose its luster, its powerful meaning and its impact on an organization. We feel that our organization is completely culturally driven uh, to be the very best that we could possibly be. And, Without those standards, if those standards are ever, ever compromised, we wouldn't be the program that we want to be. Coach, where do you pick up the, the, the culture building aspects? Is it from your time as a player? Is it dealing with other coaches, a combination of all of it? Like, where do you attribute how you've built the culture in Eugene? Well, it, it starts with our staff. It really does. I think all of us have very similar backgrounds. And in terms of, we come from all over the place. We're the most diverse staff in the country. As far west as, you know, American Samoa, as far east as almost Atlanta, Cuba, right? We are from all over. But the principles and values that we learned in our households, uh, there was no, there was no uh, head faking. There was no nonsense. There was no, no reason or no room to give an excuse at any point in time. You had to get things done and you had to do things face to face and man to man. Never never any ways of uh, cheating any kind of process, never any shortcuts. And that's something that we all just really believe in. We believe that these guys at some point in time are going to have to go out and be the heads of their households, the leaders of their organizations, their families, whatnot, our community, the world. And to do so and to be really good and effective, we cannot let them down now. They have to be held to a high standard and they have to be completely ingrained in our culture to be able to establish that type of a DNA. So that's our sole focus, I'd say, 90% of the time. For a first-time head coach that wants to go in and establish his own culture with a football team, what's like the number one thing that you start with? How, how do you, I mean, building a culture seems like this gargantuan, um, you know, thing that you have to be able to work so hard and build up and do every single day. But what's the number one thing? Like you're starting to build a culture. What, would, what advice would you give for that? Be real, be you, be honest, and don't compromise it for anything. And I know that's four things, not one. I understand that. <laughs> I've lost my math skills during this time. So, but uh, those are things. And, and I remember just along the way as a, as a kid growing up, you got to realize like my upbringing's a little bit different than a lot. And parents have come over from a place where they had to learn the language and had to work two and three jobs and go to night school. And my brother and I had to do everything humanly possible just to make it work. Where there's nothing in, and that even resembled an excuse was tolerated. So uh, nothing that resembled being late was even in discussion. It was always, always at operating and performing and expectations that were at the top of the food chain. There was no other way to do things. And so that I think started the whole thing. And I got to play for a high school coach that was the best coach I've ever played for. Uh, Dennis Lavelle with his offensive line coach, Fred Boyle, defensive coaches, John Linsky off the charts to this day. I still call them for big decisions. 
And then, of course, led on to college and being coached by Jimmy Johnson and, and Dennis Erickson and went on in coaching with guys like Greg Schiano and Butch Davis and, of course, Nick Saban. Um, you know, just learned a lot, a lot of stuff along the way that I just was an avid note taker and just felt that all those principles and values of those those young those men and those organizations were very similar to what I grew up with and that they were critical and essential in building a program and building up young men the right way. Coach, how do you balance, though, the role of competition while you're trying to create a culture? Because you just always think about um, culture, everyone's kind of kumbaya, everyone's getting along. But at the same time, look, we're, you guys are, are competing at a high level. How do you balance those two things? Well, culture has to be, um, I'm sorry, you said, how do you balance those two? Yeah, I just because they almost feel like they're two opposing forces. I got you. I got you. Well, competition has to be a major part of your culture. And Competition in our eyes and in the eyes of our players is never to be viewed as a threat. Never. It has nothing to do with that. Competition is built in to make everyone better and prepare everyone for the true demands that come with the rigors of the sport and, of course, life. You, you are never, not in anything that's worth achieving, you are never going to be in an environment that is going to hand you over the grand prize, that's going to crown you the king of the mountain, just because you are who you are, because you exist, you're going to have to overcome adversity. You're going to have to battle talented people that are driven and motivated to beat you. And the only way to do that is to actually practice it, because to talk about it and to put on a presentation in a meeting, a PowerPoint, a video, that's fine. Those are teaching methods. But until you experience it, okay, at the highest level against the very best competition out there, you will not be prepared to take on that challenge. So we introduce them the kind of way where they understand that this has to be, has to be a huge part of our process to take those next steps. Coach, you've been around and have coached a lot of incredible players who I know you have really amazing relationships with. Is there one that you'd be willing to single out who kind of embodies what you think of when you, when you think about culture? Is there one guy that, that sort of represents that? Gosh, there's too many. They're, 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 they're really, I've been blessed beyond what anyone could ever imagine. I mean, some of the guys that I've had a chance to coach from my days as a graduate assistant at Miami all the way till, till now, it's been incredible. I mean, so I would, because of, again, uh, recent success, I would just like to lean on the 2019 seniors at the University of Oregon who, you know, they, they were able to digest and overcome the adversity that came with a four and eight season to four years later become Pac-12 and Rose Bowl champions. And that, that speaks volumes of their DNA and their willingness to buy into a culture that was about as subtle as, you know, <laughs> as it's not. Something that was as demanding as you could possibly imagine that required every ounce of their existence to be given. And they did. And uh, the reward was exactly what, what they wanted. So uh, to those guys, I, hard to imagine a better example than with those guys. But along the way, there's been some incredible examples, and I don't want to shortchange anybody. I say very, um, very good um, communication with so many of the guys that I've had the, the opportunity and the blessing to coach. Coach, but you reference that senior class, and they did endure a four-win campaign. When you guys step into the fold, and obviously you've been there now a couple seasons, is it something that you you do to, to, to push that culture? Because it 
I mean, I, I would imagine like that's, that's hard for a team that probably had success when they were high school players or around the country. And then all of a sudden they head to Eugene and they're not winning. Like things can turn sour pretty quick. Yeah. Well, it's not for everybody. And that's a good thing. I mean, if it's uh, my old boss used to tell me, if you, if you want to make everybody happy, don't coach football, go sell ice cream. That's what he used to tell us all the time. So um, it's certainly not for everybody, but you know, when you, when you bring in the type of culture that, that we brought in, you have to understand a couple of things like, like everyone that you and I come across in our industries and, and people of the world, they want to know what we're going to do, how we're doing it. And they really want to know why are we doing things a certain way? Like why, why are we going to get up at this hour and why are we going to do this type of dynamic warm up and then jump into these individual periods and unit periods and then go into five on four competition periods. They, they want to know why. And when you can truly articulate why we're doing it and show how it's going to make someone better, that it's for their benefit and the benefit of the team and everyone's going to be, uh, everyone's going to benefit from it. That's where I think you get a lot of mileage because you're just being straight up honest. Um, you're showing a willingness to do whatever it takes to help someone get better. And you're showing that you're invested in the players, which is the most important thing. That's our, our biggest job is to serve, is to make sure that we do everything we possibly can to allow them to maximize their potential. And when they see that you're doing that and that you're honest and real about it, well, sky's the limit in terms of the buy-in and the trust factor that you got to build because it's, it's not about asking a player to trust you. You've got to earn that trust by staying in there late, late at night, getting there way, way before uh, the crack of dawn. So all those things combine to make what we feel is a very strong and trusting culture. Coach, you talk about trust as a huge part of culture and being real with your guys in the moment in time that we're in right now and, and so much uncertainty. And I think a lot of people wondering sort of what's next. There's a lot of fear. How are you cultivating the culture within your team right now from your home? And wh what, what is your message to your players right now? Well, now is when culture is going to kick in. To me, it's more now, more than anything, and more than any other time is all the things that have the foundation that's been laid over the past two years has got to show up now because there is no face-to-face -face interaction, right? There are no practices. There are no study hall checks. Everything is done via remote, Zoom classes, Zoom meetings. We've got to be able to stay fit, physically fit, because at some point in time, this will clear and we will move on. And there's no such thing as a mandatory worker right now. Everything is voluntary, right? And most importantly is being safe because that's the number one message right the safety and health and the well-being of our student athletes so while we're emphasizing that is also making sure that you know these challenging times they, they cannot be used as an excuse not to get online to make sure you're there for your 7 a.m class right that your homework assignment project or upcoming test that uh, you are fully prepared to handle whatever you have to handle regardless of what is transpiring, because we still have to control what we can control, and it still takes what it takes, right? That assignment's still going to be you, or you're still going to have to take that test, and at some point in time, that ball's going to be placed in the tee, and it's got to be kicked off, and we're going to have to play. So because of all those things, everything that we've done up, to, up until this point have got to show true in the way that they handle themselves, because they're going to be doing a lot of this stuff on their own. And this is when we expect the standards of the culture to kick in. 
Mario, I know we, we want to ask you about how your perspective has changed, but I, I heard the boys in the background and you started by telling me about what it's like at home now and the, the darts that are hitting you in the middle of a Zoom call with, with you know, as you're doing a meeting here. I, I'm just curious, like, is the culture different that you establish with your team compared to like what you're doing at home? I know that might sound kind of weird because it's, it's, it's a competitive deal, but at the same time, like I would imagine there's some similarities in, in, in some of the things that you're trying to instill in, into your boys. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, the parallels are, they're, they're perfect parallels. There's not a single thing we do in our program that we would not do or apply to our very own family members. That's why it's such a simple philosophy coaching at the college level you know this is a day and age where the world moves really fast and um like a college coach and and in my opinion is you're a teacher you're an educator and we all know the the most important role right now in the world right are our doctors our nurses practitioners our teachers and everyone's realizing how important that is well that's all we are we just have a different name we go by coach and and this is the educational part the teaching moments that come with with all of this that's transpiring at this moment are incredible, but the standards must remain the same. And, and I can tell you this, it's every time there's a decision, especially a tough one, to be made, we always ask ourselves as a coaching staff, what would you do if this was your very own son? Because, look, we're not always going to be perfect, but your intentions have to be perfect. They always have to have the well-being and, and, and the benefit of, of the student athlete at the forefront of every single decision, right? Of every single thought and action. It has to be at the forefront. And if you operate with that philosophy in mind, that mantra, it, it's going to be hard to be wrong. It might not always be pleasant and it shouldn't be. I mean, there are some difficult times and challenges that come with this and that's the way it should be. We are, we are not here to always do and say the things that make everyone feel good. We have to do the things and say the things that make sure someone knows exactly how things are and help them overcome something or be better at something. And um, that requires your absolute just fatherhood, guts, instincts, and of course, your course of action. That's a mic drop right there, Mario. We, we do have to ask you one final question, and, and Mike alluded to it. How has the last three weeks or month changed your perspective, or has it? I just uh, uh, kind of live in perspective all the time, even though it's, you got to, I guess you, things are put in perspective late at night before you go to bed or in the morning when you wake up with this, usually your two quietest moments, right? The rest of the day, your hair's lit on fire. You're going a hundred miles per hour. So it's just that, I mean, you want to talk about the opportunities that we have where we are sitting as college football coaches and as student athletes. Um, the incredible privileges that come with this to for everything to be put on hold, you know, frozen for a bit. And again, I believe that with everything, that's the way things are working. I'm, I'm a man of strong faith and I know that this will pass and all of us will grow stronger from it is that I, there's time just doesn't wait for anyone. It really doesn't. And as time ticks and you realize, wow, I mean, we're, we should be doing this at this moment, or we would have been doing this at that moment. Um, really makes you take into account that much more and more the uh, incredible privilege that we have and the love for the privilege that we have, which is our family. And when I say family, yeah, of course, your, your wife and kids at home, but your extended family. These guys are your family. Family has to be real. And it'll show out during these moments. And uh, we're making sure that it does.
Coach, really appreciate the, the thoughtful response to, to that question. Um, obviously, what you've built in Eugene in a short period of time, the proof is in the pudding with the wins that have continued to rack up, a Pac-12 championship, and, of course, a Rose Bowl win. So continued success, stay healthy. Um, I've been told, and I don't know how much math you're doing at home or if Jessica's taking that, that mantle over with the kids, um, but you don't carry the one anymore. That is still mind-blowing to me uh, and the math deal. So uh, anyway. Silly, man. The whole fraction thing, the numerator, the numerator's on top, the nominator's on the bottom. I, I forgot about all that stuff. So. The, the, the only percentage you're worried about is quarterback uh, completion percentage, I would imagine. Uh, completion percentage, third down. Third down. <laughs> Red zone touchdown percentages and the middle eight. Don't forget about the middle eight. Uh, I, I love that. And I, I think when Coach Aliotti listens to this podcast, he's going to be yelling at me because he's been hammering home for years that third down, third down stops is that percentage. He likes all of, he likes those numbers yeah, as well. I can just go tell him. He's about 25 steps away. I can go tell him. He, he tells me he does that. all the walks. Yeah, you guys are right there, huh? He's got those <laughs> 6 a.m. walks he tells me about. Well, tell him next time, you know, tell him that the next time he invites me over for barbecue will be the first time he invites me over for barbecue. <laughs> done and done. He's, I'm going to let him know. I'm going to pick up the phone now and, and make sure that he knows all about that. Uh, Coach, seriously, thank you so much for the time. Guys, God bless. Stay safe, okay? Obviously, some some great insight there, Yammer, with Mario Cristobal. I loved a lot of what he said. I think the other thing worth pointing out is that he obviously – has got his program and that culture dialed in. Um, But he works at a school and an athletic department that as a whole is, is tremendous when it comes to culture. And you think about the fact that Oregon became the first PAC 12 school ever to win the regular season conference title in football, men's basketball and women's basketball in the same academic year. Absolutely spectacular. What Rob Mullins has been able to accomplish in Eugene, really special. And I think when Willie Taggart, you, you mentioned this at the start of this podcast, when he left, that that's that's like a fork in the road. And you can make a lot of different decisions. And it's not, it wasn't, I don't think, the easiest decision for him to just put Cristobal right in charge. But it's been not only the, the best decision that he could have made, but just look at the proofs in the pudding. What this school has been able to accomplish in football and on the women's side, locking up Dana Altman, locking up Kelly Graves to contract extensions. I mean, uh, this, the arrow's pointing up right now for athletics. I think as you can make a case, Eugene is kind of the the center of the conference. And I think the biggest story in the league this entire year was women's basketball. And you were as close to this program as anyone at our network and the conversations that you've had um, with a lot of these players, you're, you're dialed in on some, some pretty significant news and some big time accomplishments. Yeah. I mean, that was the, the big news that came out on Monday, obviously. And, and the thing that's heartbreaking is that you feel like Oregon's women basketball team, they, they were going to win the Natty. I just, I, it yeah. was like, it was their year. It felt like it was destiny. All the things were kind of coming together. They didn't get that chance, but. Uh, Ash, by the way, Don Staley just texted me and said, want to repeat that one more time? But <laughs> tell, yes, I'm with you. So Tell Don to yeah. relax and <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with what I'm saying uh, and we'll never know, but they were one of the best assembled, you know, groups of players that we're ever going to see. And, and I mean, the, the, the proof is in the, the, the national accolades. You look at on Monday, it came out that, Sabrina Ionescu, not only did she win the Wooden Award, so she swept every National Player of the Year award, which is no surprise, but she won the Nancy Lieberman Point Guard Award for the third straight year. And then along with her, Satu Sabali won the Cheryl Miller Small Forward Award, and Ruthie Hebert won the Katrina McLean Power Forward Award. So it's the first time ever that three players from the same program have won their National Player of the Year award 
uh, in the same year. So it, it just speaks to the, the depth. And we talk about the big three and they were obviously sensational together. And then also shout out to Ari McDonald. Oh, who, yeah. yeah. She won the Ann Myers Drysdale shooting guard award. So the, the coolest thing that I'm excited about Yammer is that um, this is that this is the one, maybe one small benefit of what's going on in the world right now is that people are a lot more available and they want to talk and hang out. So I get to talk to all four of them tomorrow. So those are going to be, that's going to be coming on Whoa. a podcast and a playlist this week, but we've got Satu, Ruthie and Sabrina. I'm chatting with the three of them on a zoom call. And then I'm also catching up with Ari McDonald later in the day. So oh, that's if anyone awesome. has any questions, send them my way. I'd be happy to ask them, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to catch up with them and congratulations to, to all of them. Cause it's a, it's a big freaking deal. You, you should be. And by the way, can you do me a favor? I actually have a question for you to ask Ari McDonald because okay, when up. she was named defensive player of the year, um, was able to do an interview with her on, on Pac-12 network. And before, I don't actually remember if it was on air or uh, before we started, but I compared her game to Ron Artest. And I had said to her, you're the only player that I can think of that can get 20 and stop you, your best opponent from getting 20. And I said, the only other player I can think of who did that was Ron Artest. And she paused and I said, you don't know who Ron Artest is, do you? And she, she like, didn't? she goes, no, no, no. And I go, uh, Metal World Peace. She goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> once again, just continuing to date myself as one of the older, older players, but You know awesome what, that news. means you're not going to get invited to her wedding. That's what uh, that that's, means. That's actually a really, really good point. Um, but I know Adia Barnes will be there and uh, shout out to her. And I know you've had a lot of conversations, but Adia Barnes is going to have the best player returning in the conference yeah season, I mean and so. I, I think we all feel like if uh Aaron McDonald played in any other conference in the country other than this one in which Sabrina Ionescu happened to be the headliner that she was going to be the headliner day in and day out so it's going to be you know her world next year and we're looking forward to that but certainly congratulations to all of them huge news that Ari is coming back um I know she was thinking about testing the draft waters and I'm I'm selfishly happy that we get her for another season of the Pac-12 there's no doubt about it yeah, absolutely. Super excited uh, for that. So it sounds like we got some good podcasts coming up this week. And are you are you and Yogs uh, handling business next couple Yogs days? and I are tomorrow. And we got, you know who we got? No, I don't. Rolo. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. By the way, kudos to, to Coach Rolovich. And I know you've gotten to know, get to know him a little bit as of I. Um, what he's done, and, and I, I would imagine this is part of the, I don't know what the theme of your guys' show is for tomorrow, but this is a little bit of a deep tease here. Kudos for him for establishing himself in that Pullman community, what he's done for some of the small businesses up there, uh, for some of the other athletic programs, that guy completely gets it and totally tip my cap to him. He's, he's absolutely amazing. And he's one of those guys. I mean, we, Yogi and I, again, behind the scenes baseball here, we, we did the interview today. Um, and he just, he is a man who is so comfortable in his own skin. And he talks about that, about kind of when he, came into the realization that he wasn't trying to be anything for anyone. And once he kind of let that go, um, he's just, he's incredible. He's, uh, he's one of the most unique people I've, I've ever been able to get to know and been around. So yeah, I think you'll enjoy that interview. Make sure people, because this is a brand new podcast and the only way that we get to keep going is if you rate review and subscribe, it matters. It is important. And so I, I beg you and plead you if you're enjoying it and you want more of this to continue, uh, please do that and share it with a friend. 